Uh, hello and welcome to the Pod. Uh, I wish to look at all things Spurs and the time it takes you to walk or amble or limp from Seven Sisters to White Hart Lane. Uh, I'm Jim. I'll be leading the good ship Spurs to the top of the Premier League. And alongside me today is a man that acts as the maitre d' and tells all the passengers on the ship where to sit. It's Ash. Hi, hi, Captain. How you doing? Yeah, all right. Thank you. All right. And alongside him is a man that occupies a space alongside Geronimo the Alpaca, firmly below deck. It's Jules. <laughs> Salut, mon ami. How are we? <laughs> Very good. Jules is gallivanting again this week. This week he's in France, is it? Is it France? The, yeah, in France, trying to eat as eat as many pastries as possible before I have to come home. You know, make up for, <laughs> for not having been here for a while. Uh, What's since, wrong with English pastries? Well, Mate, we're the so metropolitan average. liberal elite. Yeah, <laughs> this is a continental podcast full of <laughs> liberals and filthy remainers and <laughs> Gu- guilty foreigners. Jim is criticising here in one go. <laughs> Uh, have you heard the news, lads? The Premier League is bookended by North London. Wonderful. It's the North London sandwich. Awful <laughs> sandwich I've ever seen. So what does that make the filling? Is Highgate the filling? Because if so, that makes me the filling. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever oh. floats your boat, Jim. Whatever floats your boat. Well, speaking it's... of boats, <laughs> I feel like I'm labouring this a bit too much. Ash is here with his completely professional-looking microphone headphones well done this is the sort of thing i do at work here i am with my half working sony earphones and there's jules with his airpods maybe airpods correct yeah you know modern tech mate you don't need all that (laughs) um football's back with fans we enjoying it well i think you've been enjoying it more you was away at south end the other day weren't you how did that go i was away at south end and it was quite the story (laughs) (laughs) I was with Fenn, who can't be with us today for reasons. God knows why. He probably just had a better offer. And um, uh, six years ago or so, he dragged me to Hartlepool away with Stevenage. And it was, I mean, it was a day out, but it was bloody (laughs) awful. Um, And ever since, we've been uh, trying to set up some kind of revenge. Uh, And and my lot were playing at Southend at weekend. So, So we thought, why not? Went there, had a good time, had a few beers. Well, I say we had a good time. We had a good time in spite of the football. <laughs> uh, got there and thought, oh, why don't we walk along the pier? Fun fact, Southend Pier, longest pier in the world. So long it's got its own train. So we walked, we got there with like two hours before kickoff and thought, oh, this will be fine. Walked to the end of the pier. I cracked a joke about how it was sunny. And as soon as I said that, it started absolutely pissing it down. And we got soaking wet through. Then realised we were a mile and a half into the sea. <laughs> <laughs> and it was you've now really na- You've really nailed this, mate. Like, well, like, what else went wrong on your on your, your day away? Was, like, the pie, like, off or something? And you've been, you know, locked it's in ever since. Pie, actually. The whole... I will, I will say, I had this... I'd never been to Southend before, and I had this image of Southend. You're very um, fortunate. <laughs> yeah, if you have any listeners from Southend, your hometown is a shithole that... <laughs> bombed off the map <laughs> <laughs> we're all the inclusive here on, on the oh, yeah. <laughs> no um it was it was an all right the game was terrible though, but that's what happens when you have a manager that has unrivaled resources and chooses to play 5-3-1-1 it honestly it makes jose ball look exciting but we won and then we came home and did that thing where we went for a pint uh <laughs> 
Fen, Fen isn't capable of a pint. Like he doesn't do singular when it comes to when it comes to drinks. Seemingly not capable of uh, keeping an eye on making sure we get the last tube either. But never mind. <laughs> oh, Fen, absolutely classic. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's go and get the last tube. It, it, it had already left an hour and a half before. <laughs> anyway, that's me. We should probably talk about some football, shouldn't we? Seems slightly weird to be saying this, but Spurs' opening couple of weeks of the season has gone surprisingly well. Should we start with Passos de Ferreira? 3-0 win, which was the only upsetting thing about that, was that it completely ruined the so far otherwise binary season. Um, <laughs> just going to just gonna, just gonna do a thing, because I've missed a couple of pods and I was listening in to Ash talking about um, pronunciation of oh, Passos de Ferreira. And I... I admire the fact that he gave it a go. So this is what Google Translate says on how to pronounce it. I don't know if you'll be able to hear this. Passos de Ferreira. Did you get that? I did that, but faster and <laughs> arguably more accomplished. <laughs> here's here's Ashley's version. We're playing against Passos de Ferreira. It's the same thing. I can't tell the difference. (laughs) So, uh, strong effort. But anyway, uh, enough about that. Slightly dodgy 1-0 defeat in the the first leg, but uh, job done uh, in the second leg, I think it's fair to say, with two goals from from the man whose name we don't mention anymore. (laughs) Did anyone watch this? (laughs) I did, actually. Great, take the floor. There's one thing I learned from it. It's that Harry Kane showed that pre-season is overrated. Like, clearly, <laughs> clearly, we should all just fuck off to the Bahamas and we should all decide, you know what, go amateur with it. Just rock up on your first day of the season with some new boots. You'll get a blisters, but you'll be fine. That's That should be the way forward. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was good when those fucking beavers came to sit up a dam and we smashed straight through it. It was more, it was a more of a wet paper towel, wasn't it? It was. I know we, we mentioned Harry Kane's goals, but they were they were pretty dross in the end. Yeah, they were they weren't up to much. But I think the important thing is now that as you, as you say, Ash, we've uh, burst through the dam, we can sail on. Gonna gonna keep plugging away at that metaphor. Jim. We can sail on to some perhaps uh, exciting destinations. I, I I now that we're we're into the group stage. I'm really excited for potentially trying to do a little a little away trip. And I'm sure there's plenty of fans who've been missing trying to do those kind of things for, for the last year. I can tell you right now that Ren, or Renes, as a Fen will no doubt call them, um, <laughs> is a great destination. It's just a bit in the arse end of nowhere. But it's great if you've got heartburn, I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> this is the UEFA Europa Conference League. It's still a catchy name, isn't it? Spurs ended up in a group for anyone that doesn't know slash doesn't care with Ren, NS Mora from uh, Slovenia and Fitessa, also known as Chelsea D. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's a there's a few, uh, like you say, a few good opportunities there. I'd, I'd quite like to go to um, Arnhem and go and see Fitessa, to be honest. But we're still on uh, we're still on the Netherlands red list. So uh, that's not going to be happening for a while. <laughs> yeah, I wish I could say that was the reason I can't go. <laughs> Finances are not reasons. That, that <laughs> other reasons. I think, I think Ash has discovered why people are so terrified of weddings. Yeah, it's, yes. all, it's really hitting home. It's a wedding or a mortgage for a small house in London. <laughs> I guess anyway, the point is it's a job well done. Spurs are into the group stages and we look forward now to a cock up against somebody like Roma or 
Leon or somebody in the uh, in the knockout rounds. But for now, all positive. I'd rather lose to some team from fucking Azerbaijan than Jose Mourinho's Roma at the moment. <laughs> it's the last bit, especially with those fanboys all over Twitter, like trying to tell us how it was the club and, you know, Jose is the saviour of everyone he goes to. Just anyone, anyone but Roma. <laughs> but you know, I, you do realise it's written in the stars, though, right? It like, is, isn't it? It's one of those really sods yeah. law things. You can just tell Europa League. Well, no, I wish Europa Conference <laughs> League semi-final, one nil away loss. Mourinho shushing the Spurs fans they, in our stadium. So the only good thing with that is you can just pretend not to care. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when, uh, like when Chelsea did that, did that PR masterclass in 2012 when they tried to convince everyone that winning the Europa League was as good as winning the Champions League. <laughs> or Arsenal, whenever they win the. Um... What's that stupid pre-season fucking thing that's done at Wembley? Community Shield. Yeah, Community that's Shield. Count. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's not winning. Uh, I'm, uh, on that subject, um, before we move on to the Premier League, I'm slightly disappointed in myself, chaps. Why is that? I mean, I, I mean that's just a general observation. <laughs> but I was uh, going to say nothing new. <laughs> <laughs> in this context, when I saw the fixtures come out for the Premier League, I told myself in my head I should put a tenner on. Arsenal being bottom of the Premier League after three games. Did I back myself? No, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> and yet here we are. <laughs> joyous regardless, isn't it? It's surely Arsenal being bottom is enough of a reward. You don't need the money. Well, I didn't know. I mean, I don't know how good a, how good odds you'd get, really. It, it was a weird one, though, because you just you, you looked at those three fixtures at the start for them and you just thought Willich Wankers are going to go absolutely mm. to the floor in all of them like Brentford in that new stadium first day in the league yeah. nightmare starting fixture for anyone and then just playing the two Champions League finalists just like slap <laughs> slap slap it's honestly brutal I, I mean are they now have they surpassed us as being the banter club they got to be. They're certainly in the biggest banter era of their of their sort of history. I mean, even like we'll come <laughs> on to the Watford game, but it was it was so fucking boring. I, I didn't even give a shit about the game. All I wanted to do was for it to be over so I can start laughing at Arsenal again. I just wanted the the fear of Tottenham's collapse over so we could start laughing at the Woolwich. On that subject, uh, I've been putting it off because I I have nothing to say about it because <laughs> it's just a thing that happened, but. I guess again, this this is the kind of game Watford. All right, it's at home and they're a promoted team, but we know we kind of know what Watford are about because they've basically had the same squad since about 1999. This is the sort of thing that would have been a banana skin for for uh, for Spurs even last season. Ash, I know they weren't in the Premier League last season, but if they were, <laughs> this is the sort of game you could see ending up a one-one, wasn't it? And it's another case, I guess, of just getting the job done. I can't remember the last time we beat Watford by more than one goal. Like it always seems to be sort of just knife edge, just one goal here, a penalty there, a last minute son goal usually. And I mean, it, it weren't great watching, was it? We only had 52% possession in the second half. That was that's pretty bad against a newly promoted team. But listen, we, we got the game done. The only reason I think we won, honestly, is that Ben Foster wasn't playing for his annual masterclass in goal. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, do you not think, Asho, like, first of all, is there a more boring way to win a match than by scoring a free kick accidentally? <laughs> putting it out. Like, honestly, like, is there it. a more boring way to win? Against against Watford, yes. Against <laughs> Arsenal or Chelsea, it's the best way to win. <laughs> Jim, you, you, Jim, you must have seen some, some shite goals in your time. 
what's the is is, is it right up there for you yeah i was just right so <clears throat> i was interested in whether uh whether just kind of being harsh or not and here's what i mean obviously anyone that follows football knows that all roads lead to flash score mm. here's flash scores um opening summary of this match son Heung min's faultless free kick delivery was enough to give tottenham their third consecutive one nil win against a disheartened Watford side. What disheartens me <laughs> is that that's described as faultless. <laughs> How to many faults fair, did you spot in it? <laughs> to be fair, that is was fucking awful defending and the keeper didn't ingratiate himself. But it was one of those where it was put into the perfect position. There's not much more you want Son to do in that position other than whip it in towards the far post between the uh, you know the retreating defenders and the goalkeeper because it just see, uh, sows that seed of doubt, doesn't it? Where he doesn't he's got to wait to see whether there's a flexion or not before he can move. I, I liked it. I I think there's that there was there's <laughs> nothing more he could have done. <laughs> so Italian of you, my God! You think you think you think you're a man? Jorginho and his passing, Jorginho and his passing, and all this. In reality, there's nothing they want more than a nice defensive one nil with a bad goal. You should go watch Blackburn and have Jordan Rhodes scoring tappings at corners. Honestly, that's Ashes football. I wonder if he's still a thing. I, I, I said that literally because I remember once going to a Blackburn game and it was a one nil win with a tapping from Jordan. I've got Rhodes family in Blackburn. I've got family in Blackburn, so it's doable. <laughs> I, I I wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> you I went remember. to South End, mate. What, what I do know. you know? I, we, I was having a, I was in a chat with Fen, and uh, he asked me. The other, I think it was Fen. It might not have been. Somebody was asking me the other day, like, what What are the biggest shitholes you've ever been to on away days? Because like, <laughs> you don't go to certain places if it isn't for the football. South End's definitely up there. Um, Gainsborough, that was pretty grim. Um, sounds doesn't sound great, does it? Can I just note one thing? We don't have the listenership to be able to go around slapping people around based on their hometown. <laughs> yeah. Listen, if anybody's listen, if anyone in this, if anyone is listening to this pod in Gainsborough, then I'd be amazed. <laughs> South, <laughs> South, End, South End is more reasonable. Yeah, we we're sure the people in South End are lovely. It's just. You know, I'll, I'll give them their chips. They created a good atmosphere and they had some nice fish and chips. So I'll give them that. There you go. There you go. They got a little theme theme park, haven't they, on the on the pier as well? Yeah. The pier, so you know, I actually uh, the town itself didn't seem that bad. There was just this smell that was just <laughs> that's yeah. not helping. That I just didn't. Well, I, I wondered in the end. I wondered whether it was one of us too, because it just seemed to follow us around. Yeah, but... Fen's, Fen's not here to defend himself, so we'll put it on him. We'll blame him. <laughs> anyway, back... <laughs> back to the football. There was a there was a moment. I think it was in the uh, in the 60th minute where Saar had the ball on the right wing for Watford, and he just pulled off a brilliant piece of skill to make himself some space. And then he pulls it back to Sissoko on the edge of the box. And I don't think I have to say what happened next. But it was, I, I had a tear in my eye. It was just, like, sometimes the stars just align. We, it was just a perfect way to say goodbye to somebody who is probably the worst player to have become so important to a team in the history <laughs> of any team. But how do you feel about Moose, Steve and Jules? Um, delighted, first of all, because... <laughs> 
you know, for, for the money that he was on and the wages and the space in the squad, it's a very good move for us to shift him on. On the other hand, it's kind of sweet. Like, we all have a soft spot for him. I think the same for, you know, there's nothing wrong with accepting, you know, when you need to rebuild your squad that sometimes people you like have had to go. And we've seen Lamella, Toby, Musa, and, of course, Danny Rose, who I thought got an amazing mm. ovation when he was warming up on the touchline. Yeah. So, we're, I don't know, maybe Watford is kind of like the nice sort of retirement home that we can send our <laughs> players to. I felt, I thought when Musa yeah, did that, Everyone in the <laughs> everyone in the stadium loved it, but just for different reasons. And it's rare that you get such a sweet standing ovation as, as the one that he got when he came off the pitch. They're nice, aren't they? Kind of ironic cult heroes. No, I can't think of any likes of Soka. At least some, most of the cult heroes sort of come usually because there's a, a, an element of expectation. But I think the moment Soko came in, I'm not sure we expected anything from the lab. We knew we knew it was a lot of money for a guy who can't dribble. <laughs> I've never, I've never thought, wondered so many times why a professional athlete is chasing his touch around the pitch as when I've watched Musa Sissoko. Like it's, it's amazing. Like, and I saw the other day, it was, I think it was Iniesta was being interviewed, and he was saying like, oh, like your first touch is like the most underlying important thing about football because if you've got a good touch, then it sets everything else up. <laughs> I just thought, is there ever been a man who is more the antithesis of a good first touch than Musa Sissoko? <laughs> I honestly don't know if there has been. It's rare, like you say, I think you get players that stick around for that length of time and become as important without lacking, without having the basic sort of tenets that you'd expect a professional <laughs> but it footballer wasn't, to have. <laughs> it wasn't just skill either. Like, he had very little understanding of the game and positioning. All he did was run and run a lot. So I'm not sure how it happened, but... Look, we've got to give him his dues. We wouldn't have got to the Champions League final if it wasn't for him. We also wouldn't have lost it yeah. necessarily in the first two minutes if it wasn't for him. But that's, <laughs> that was, let's not never a handball. Never a handball. Let's not go down that road. Ash, <laughs> more importantly, did we essentially win this match because our defence looks tighter than a middle-aged man in skinny jeans? Is that <laughs> why we won this game? Yeah. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was solid. I mean, we gave away... A few chances, but none of them were the big chances that I ever thought, ah, oh, shit, we're in trouble here. Not like we did against Wolves, where sort of mm. Trey or Jimenez managed to get the ball in good position. So I was I was fairly com- comfortable. And on another day, we might have scored an extra couple ourselves. We had a few good chances on the counter-attack. It just seems like it was just one of those days where we just had to sit and be happy with 1-0 and get it over and done with and you know, especially since it just felt like a game that wasn't being broadcast in the UK. Do you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> I think it was it was a job it was a job well done, and I think there'll be more exciting games to come. And we've got other talents in our squad, you know, to come through. Three games, three one nil wins in the league. You know, that's a that's a very positive start, and we should give Nuno credit for immediately fixing those that, that leaky defence. And, and having us do it 20 yards higher up the pitch, he's clearly onto something. I was uh, I was reflecting with Fenn in Southend about how things had been going so far. That was kind of obviously pre the Watford game. And it kind of just felt like the thing we, we alighted on collectively was that it was it was like Jose is still here, but things have been tightened. It's like it's like Jose ball, but more effective. Things have been <laughs> tightened up a little bit. It's like the machines had some WD-40 squirted into its squeaking parts and things are now just kind of working as they should it'll be interesting won't it to see whether um 
when in these kind of bigger games where there's a demand to be slightly more on the front foot or uh, there are teams that have a bit more of a go, um, obviously City suggests that it can work either way. But there's a there's a I guess a question to see how Nuno adapts and um, yeah, I think um, it will be helped greatly with. Obviously, the news that Ndombele hasn't left, probably because no one could afford him more than because of any great change in his attitude or whatever. But uh, there's there was a bit of a, a debate going on on our Twitter where we were asked about whether Nuno can bring the change in Ndombele. And b- before I ask you, Jules, I just thought I'd go first since, you know, I brought it up, so I fucking deserve to. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of feel like 25% of the, well, 75% of the outrage towards Ndombele is probably misplaced. But this doesn't feel like Harry Kane, who just decided he wasn't going to turn up to training because he wasn't getting this mood, uh, this move. You see all the pictures of Ndombele in training and he's he's there and he seems to be smiling and he seems to be in decent shape compared to how we've seen him in the past. This This just feels to me like it's a joint decision where he decided that, he wants to move on. He's not happy where he is. So between him and Nuno, they've said, fine, you're not you're not going to be in the team because you're just not in the right place at the moment mentally. And I, I think we need to normalise not being happy at work. Like, work fucking sucks. Playing football is great, but like the training element isn't fun. Like, nobody wants to run around a pitch for two hours just to get fit. A lot of people say, oh, yeah, but he gets paid 200 grand. It's like, well, sometimes it doesn't matter. Like, you couldn't pay me enough to live in Luton. <laughs> <laughs> Our not slacking well, off random places, but he's going well. We are, we are we are on an absolute butcher's wheel. We, I mean, honestly, like Jack the Ripper knows nothing of fucking Ash Caparelli today. Like, gee, um, that's quite an, it's quite an accusation. <laughs> As Harry Kane said, my conscience is clear. All right, <laughs> at least you've got. So one. I'm I'm completely torn on Ndombele because I think the the, the quote that we got on Twitter was whether or not he should be on a one-way ticket to the glue factory there there are some fans who seem to want to just get out the shotgun and you know sit, just just deal with the matter but I I'm kind of I understand where you're coming from Ash I do I do see I do see and sympathize with his position and um, if he's not happy you know that isn't an easy thing to do um but I also think personally he's probably going to be unhappy for the next few months because I look at everything Nuno values in a sense to mid and it yeah. seems to be sort of the tenacity and the the intelligence and how to play within a shape and the team structure. And they seem to be the very things that, and the fitness, of course, and these seem to be the things that Tongi lacks. So I, I fear that he won't get that much game time, maybe a bit, a bit of Europa League action and we'll have to yeah. cross this bridge in, in January. Oh, for God, fuck's sake. Fine. Europa Conference League. Are you happy, Jim? <laughs> Are you happy? <laughs> um, I mean, what, I, what I would say a lot of people are obviously mentioning that, um about about the work rate and uh, etc but and about but the amount of games he's missed and obviously this is now i'm gonna say the second manager that he's fallen out with because i don't count mason as a manager he was just a work experience lad who stepped up great thanks <laughs> but like with jose yes like jose i don't i don't really want to count that either because he's the most polarizing manager that we've had in such a long time like it's so easy to fall out with jose especially when you were brought in by by Pochettino, who's just sort of the antithesis, isn't he, of, of Jose, where he's just, he's, he's as much a father figure and a friend to his footballers, where Jose Mourinho is, if you like me, then I like you. 
So, like, there. But the the point is that he came into the team and became a vital part of a Jose Mourinho team, which is all about structure. As as much as it failed in its structure, it is all about structure. So I don't I don't see why he can't come back in again. Like he he's shown in the past that he can get over his his you know being upset for for a short period of time in order to. Um, become an important part of the team again. Yeah, and I think it, it may be the key thing as well as as a club in the style of football that it seems uh, Nuno wants to play. He's going to be very reliant on having one centre mid be able to provide the creativity and sort of load load the chamber um, for strikers to to score goals. And at the moment, Deli Ali's doing a, a great amount of yards in there, and he's actually I think playing very well. But yeah. going to have to have another option in there and. You know, Lacelso's one, but there is room for Ndombele to come in and actually be a very effective player in the system. So I hope that he he leaves the transfer window behind him. He realizes, you know, the ability that he has, and he takes confidence from it. But we have also sold his two best mates. So yeah. Speak, speaking of which, we let Aurier go, and we sort of ripped up his contract. Clearly, nobody was going to pay us money for him, and uh, we we sort of saw the end of it. But he he again is another player that seems to have sort of gone under the radar a bit. Like he was he was scapegoated quite a bit early on. Admittedly, he gave way more penalties than the DVLA at the start of the season or, or start of his career. But <laughs> Jim, looking from the outside, the Ore situation, any faults? I think it's good business to just let the guy go. To be honest, mm. um, it, it, there were too many. I think too, probably too many faults and too many. Um, not necessarily failures, but maybe shortcomings in his game that are difficult to rectify if you want to be a, a team that's going to compete for, for silverware. And, you know, I think given his age, I mean, he's he's 28, he's not realistically going to get better at that age. And I think the business that's been done uh, to kind of tidy up the squad and uh, replace uh, replace him and just, just kind of, it, it's kind of like getting the broom out of the broom cupboard isn't it and just sweeping up all the dust if you like I think overall it's been good business so you look at the arrivals you've got Brian Hill who's 20 Pabisar's 18 Galini Galini's the oldest arrival he's 26 and he's a keeper so he's got a decade left Romero is 23 Emerson Royale's 22 it's all a really good uh, age profiles lots of potential to grow and, and and some really good signings with not a huge outlay I mean I think the collective kind of spend on those is about 60 million ish which is not mm. not bad uh and then look at the outgoing list juan freud's gone aldevarel's gone sissoko hart rose lamella gazaniga aurier obviously um the two loans have gone back bail vinicius yours got sar's gone back to mets that's that's good business because he's getting experience you've got uh what's he called carter vickers has gone Celtic. <laughs> yeah so I think you know I think it's been a good job of just sort of tidying things up making things a little bit tighter well before we come on to uh the new right back Jules you're French can you tell us a little bit about <laughs> about Saar uh yeah I can give you a, a sort of a, a brief look at him the kind of style player he is he's he's a very strong all-round centre mid um who's posting some very promising numbers in terms of interceptions and tackles and kind of being a, a an effective defensive player, but who does pop up with end products. Um, he got three goals in the, in the league last year in sort of 20-something games. So he looks like a perfect, smart, 
buy of, of a profile of a player of that kind of profile of that age who is already at 18 you know getting first team minutes under his belt and is kind of a, a sort of a safe bet because if he comes through and ends up developing into a really good box-to-box midfielder you could see him you know competing with the likes of Hoiberg and being that that sentiment who pushes on more and um, if he doesn't do so well you I'm you won't really make a loss on him because he's so young that you'll be able to cut your losses and push him on so he's yeah. He's a great fit, um, but I also think an 18-year-old, you never know where they're going to go yet. It's still so early in their career to predict. But I just hope he has, you know, gets a good run of games out there, no major injuries. And then next season, he can come back and probably push for uh, push for our first team. So, no, very smart signing in my view. Sounds good. And I'm, I'm delighted that our other side, and we finally found a permanent Brazilian friend for Lucas Moura. He just seems so much happier <laughs> in general, doesn't he? So that's, that's good to see. Um, I did a little bit of research on Emerson Royale. I won't lie and say that I watched a whole bunch of his games. None of us have. Nobody watches Real Betis, let's be honest. <laughs> so, I mean, his stats sort of paint the picture of a, 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 a fullback who is defensive first. Like, he's highly, highly effective in his defensive action so I think he made the most tackles over the last two years out of anyone in the Liga um, he's he's very he's got a high success rate in, in his attempted tackles but he's also effective at pushing forward so obviously a lot of us are probably happy with Tanganga but we, we need someone who can push forward and put a cross in and you know he's he averaged just below two shot creating actions, whatever the hell that means, per, per 90 minutes <laughs> um, last year, which is, you know, which is decent numbers. And named after Royale, it's well documented now. It's because his aunt thought he looked like the kid in an advert for Jelly. So hopefully he's a bit more sturdy than what we've seen in the past. <laughs> yeah, less wobble. Um, let's put it that way. Um, Fun fact as oh. well, he gets as many uh, he he gets as many goals per game as he does red cards. <laughs> <laughs> he, he doesn't score often then I hope on, a, yeah. on average one goal every 30 games and one red card every 30 games I think the interesting thing is what does it mean for Tanganga who I think you know, he's obviously had a brilliant start to the season but particularly and I don't know if I'm the only person who sees this I feel like our squad is very um, sort of left leaning um, and I don't mean like sort of Tower of Pisa or something I mean no. you like, mean they're all Labour going to vote Labour <laughs> They're all good lads. Um, no, I'm, I mean that all all of the sort of attacking midfielders basically all seem to prefer to operate on the left, like Bergvijn, Son uh, are both right-footers but prefer the left. Um, Hill uh, actually played on the left when he was in Spain previously, so he's not like an Eric Lamella who naturally is a right-winger cutting in. And Deli Ali, if he was to sort of tuck in off a wing, would probably prefer again the left. So we seem as a team, quite left biased. And unless yeah. Lucas Moore is there, we don't really get that penetration on the other side. And the one thing I hope with uh, with, with Emerson Rao joining is, will he really push on and act as kind of dominating that whole flank? Will he really offer that ability? Because I think there's moments, and I don't know if you guys saw it in the Watford game, Tanganga would get the ball midway up the flank and he would kind of look at it and go, yeah, I'm just going to pass it back to the centre <laughs> mid here. <laughs> like, he, he kind of looked at it and yeah. just went, I don't fancy dribbling here. Yeah, um, good intentions. That, good, good intentions. <laughs> I think he'll be. He's a very good, you know, right back, and it should be yeah. his spot to lose, having played as well as he has so far this season. But I wonder if Emerson's been brought in partly with the view that he might give us something more going forward. Yeah, I think Tanganga is, is a good little player. He's 
he's a bit like a fit multiplayer, isn't he? Like it's not, he doesn't do anything amazing. He's not, he's not going to be the most beautiful football player on the pitch, but he's very useful and he can fill a couple of positions for us. And that's quite important as we've, obviously we've seen Romero going away with the Argentina team. And he's going to have to isolate for 10 days. So having someone else uh, that's able to cover at centre-back might be vital if we get an injury or two. So, yeah, Emerson is brought in to be our starting right back because we need a right back who can attack. But um, that doesn't necessarily mean Tengangri isn't going to play our feet. We're just not going to see any Doherty. Yeah, I think I think Doherty and Davies mm. to me look like um, two players who are going who who basically gives you the option of oh, a back three. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't even say their squad because I think you go through you know mm. you've got Tanganga and Emerson on the right. You've got Reggion and uh, he's. Mm. Um, uh, Sessegnon on the left what they give you is the ability in maybe league cup games or away from home in Europe to bring in sort of left and right centre backs yeah. alongside one more if you want to go defensive and yeah. actually I, I think that might be quite useful and we always you know we you're never far away from an injury crisis I know we seem relatively good at the moment but when you mm. get into when you get into January or early mm. February and the games start mounting up if you have you know uh, Reggion gets an injury we might be glad that we've got two left backs still available Yeah, I don't know about injury crisis but I might have a bit of a crisis myself with the international break because anyone hate like every year we've, like, we've played three games and we're breaking up again for yeah. internationals the September international breaks always like oh, just depressing <laughs> as well it's always like, like I know obviously you're Italian we don't talk about that because it's still too close to the Euros but <laughs> like it's always like it's always the 4th 5th or 6th of September half the time it's on my birthday and I have to watch an England game and we end up absolutely drubbing somebody like Azerbaijan or Albania 5-0 away and you're like <laughs> nah <This isn't> fun. <laughs> it nothing for me. did absolutely nothing for me <laughs> just before we um, talk about that break, there was a, an interesting tweet I want to raise, Ash. I'd like to get your thoughts uh, on a couple of things. Jules sort of mentioned this. Skinner says we need, Spurs need a, a playmaker, somebody to change the game because they're potentially lacking a little bit um, in the middle and the skip Hoygier pivot's not going to last forever. And then Jack Longhurst takes a, a view that certainly something I don't agree with, but you might do. Uh, he says, are we not sick of the young talent coming through that had a f- that we had a few years back and still won as fuck all? We need some ready-made improvements in the first team. Yeah, well, who's going to pay for him? <laughs> You're what now? I'd like a Lamborghini sat in the car park. But, you know, these, it's, it's <laughs> difficult. And especially now in this market where even if you buy a good player from a team, that, that team, that they haven't got the, the resources to then to go and purchase somebody else for themselves. It's difficult. I mean, I don't think necessarily that playmaker is our biggest issue. Everybody, it happened a lot when Modric left as well, is that, oh my God, who's going to replace Modric? And what that meant to people was, we need someone who's going to come in and play exactly like Luka Modric. Mm. There's only one style of playmaker. Yeah, and it's the same that's happened since since Ericsson's left. Like everybody's saying, oh, we haven't replaced him. So we might not have got a player that's exactly like him, but we have creativity in the squad. Unfortunately, at the moment, that creativity is Ndombele, who hasn't been playing for reasons X, Y and Z. And Nichelso, who's sort of come back late from because of international and he's pissing off again for international. But we also have we also have Deli Ali, who is creative. He's not he's not, you know, Christian Eriksen, but he he commits defenders. He moves the ball on quickly and he keeps us 
he he does actions of play that none of our other players do to create chances. And then you've also got the like of Brian Hill, who's showed us that he can also be very, very creative. So I think the emphasis is more on the players that we already have working out how to be free and creative in a Nuno Espirito Santo team. We didn't have that freedom under Jose because you're not allowed to be creative. You just have to give the ball to Kane, hope Kane either scores or passes to Son, who will score. Just on that, I think I saw Nuno saying after the Watford game when he was getting a bit of praise um, about our start of the season, and he was saying, "Well, we've actually still got quite a long way to go." You know, the, the way that they're, the way that we're playing right now still isn't. You know, he wants to get more from the players on the pitch, and I think he will. He's he's clearly got a great defensive structure there, and the, the three narrow forwards is proving really effective at stopping other teams building up through the central areas. But he will want to get more from Ali and Ndombele and Celso and Hill, as you say. He's not going to look to bring in one player. I think it's on on him to to find a way to get these guys breaking forward and getting getting good assists and getting I find it had, getting assists. I found it hilarious that after the game, Nuno Espirito Santo did an interview and he said. Again, he was asked that question about Tottenham being top and how how does it feel? And he said, I invite all the all the Spurs fans to not look at the table. And then about 10 minutes later, the social team from Tottenham decided to tweet the table. (laughs) 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 That's nice. I mean, I suppose the nice thing is it's uh, I'm I'm kind of having flashbacks to last November when Fenn said to me, I Spurs in the title race. But it's nice to go into the league, Jim. We're going to win the league, Jim. We're going to win the league. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's nice to go into an international break top of the league rather than bottom uh, that's for sure um i've just had a look at the fixtures to see who who england are actually playing uh, on on the weekend fuck me it doesn't i mean <laughs> <laughs> hungary <Sounds> tomorrow <laughs> hungary tomorrow Andorra on sunday jules have you got bad flashbacks about hungary <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I, I just see the international break as the footballing equivalent of blue balls. Like, it is the <laughs> shittest, like, pause unnecessarily. It just, yeah, doesn't help. So that's my view on the matter. I think I think that's all we need to say. I mean, there's a lot to get into there with your therapist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the, uh, the Premier League is away for a bit. The transfer window obviously is closed. So thank God we can stop talking about potential transfers. Jules, important question. Question of the pod. I put this on Twitter last night, but nobody answered. Is the, is the transfer window double glazed? Yes. Does it have... Uh, is it a is it a sash? Is it a bay window? Like, how big is it? Can you climb through it? Like, these are the important questions, right? <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a bay window because it you know it changes as you as you walk around it. Sort of different perspective gives you something different. But at the end of the day, um, it's always a bit bigger than it needs to be. And actually, you don't need to worry about it so much. What what matters is what's inside the room. How's that for your metaphor? I, I like it. We'll, we'll roll with that. We'll roll very with that. serious. Very, very serious. <laughs> God, you threw me a fucking curveball. <laughs> well, in 10 days' time, it'll all be um, forgotten anyway as Spurs go to Palace. I'm sure we'll talk about that uh, next week. Always an interesting day away at Salas Park. Let's just finish uh, this by having another good laugh at uh, Arsenal, who on the same day play Norwich. Unbelievably, that that game is 20th against 19th. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, relegation six-pointer. Oh, it's wonderful. Music to my ears. Will they have the quietest stadium in the championship next season? (laughs) 
definitely have the most prawn sandwiches. <laughs> I think it's very, it must be very hard to, I, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, and I, I'm, if there's one thing with like fans coming back, and this is a big positive for us as Spurs, it's been lovely seeing like White Hart Lane, like full to the absolute mm and the noise and the intimidation the atmosphere and i've seen loads of people from like like chris stark of radio one was talking about how good how good you know the stadium is uh, michael richards was talking about that after the city game how how intimidating and vocal it is there are other clubs where honestly it's like city can't pay people to get through the door i'm surprised <laughs> they've tried they can't the get yeah. <laughs> meanwhile meanwhile highbury well slash emirates slash you know just a fucking library is literally silent as anything and other other clubs have got an issue where the fans are sort of drifting away and thinking do i really want to spend this much money mm. getting a seven pound pint and if nothing else i think there's something there's something magical in the the top atmosphere this year and it's it's beautiful to see in in fairness to it. arsenal they they haven't haven't made a lot of noise uh, to celebrate their goals because they haven't scored any. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they, I can't wait for the fact they've got yeah. to deal with uh, goal of the month uh, sort of Twitter abuse <laughs> probably in the next couple of days. The, um, the other day when, when we scored, it was a 1-0 at, uh, at Southend and Fen went absolutely mad. And I'm like... Was that before or after the beers? <laughs> no, well, before, and I'm like... like if I got... I got a convert here. He's like <laughs> hugging strangers and punching the air and all sorts. And I'm like, You're all right, mate. And he just goes, It's a goal, isn't it? It's a goal in person. <laughs> well, to be to be fair to Fen, we should, you know, our next pod we will we can talk about our upcoming we've got a busy September with a lot of a lot of fixtures to come. We can talk about the start of our uh, Europa Conference League group, Jim. There you go. We can talk about Crystal Palace and we can talk to Fen, given he's been the man in the actual stadium, living the real, the real thing. Um, so maybe that's one we can we can dive into next month. Unlike us armchair fans. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Mate. Absolutely. Well, that that feels like a good place to uh, wrap up. Let's hope we um, carry on stirring the good ship spurs towards success, and that that thing in the distance isn't another iceberg. We'll find out soon enough. Uh, thanks for listening. See you next time.